So at the beginning of last week, I, f I felt there was something that God wanted to, to us to spend time on was about the power of questions. Why is asking questions so powerful? I personally love to ask questions and I got to thinking about how amazing questions are. One simple question Jesus asked turned one dismal fishing event into an overwhelming success and an invitation to breakfast with the already ascended Jesus. You can read that in John 21. But since I'm starting with a fishing story, I thought I'd ask you a few fishing jokes. How do shellfish get to the hospital? In a clambulance. Why are fish so smart? They swim in schools. Good. What is the richest fish in the world? Come on, kids. What is the richest kid, uh, fish in the world? Anyone I, an idea? A gold fish. What do fish use for money? Sand dollars. If a fish lived on land, what country would it live in? Finland. Yes. <laughs> this is my favorite. Why didn't the prawn share his toys? He was a little shellfish. And the last one, why is a fish easy to weigh? Because it has its own scales. <clears throat> so I've given you a piece of paper, just stay on the one side, just so you can see roughly how I'm, I'm moving along and you can think, this is where she's at, I've got this much longer. All right. <laughs> no, we haven't got to number one, we've got to the first point now. Questions can invite, honor, challenge, serve and heal. And all of these are love. God asks questions for us and of us, not because he doesn't know the answers. He knows all things. The questions God asks throughout scripture in both Old Testament and New Testaments are to get us to think, to repent, and to return. God's first question to Adam was, where are you? And all the other questions are like this. What is going on in your heart? Who are you listening to? What are you believing about me that is not true? Now you have got to number one. This is my favorite, I think. Questions are an invitation. And this is where this talk all started. Because I realized that there's a difference in me depending on whether you tell me something or whether you ask me a question and draw it out of me. My experience growing up tended to be doing what I was told to do with little room for me to offer my opinion and it put me in a posture of feeling like my contribution was not needed and my confidence felt thwarted. So telling me excludes me, asking me includes me. 
telling me something excludes me from the possibility of being part of finding the solution. Asking me something invites me into collaborating to discover the solution. And we have lots of things bubbling up amongst us, I know. Having the answer puts me in a position of elevation over someone who does not. Giving you the opportunity to step into the answer is a beautiful way for me to serve and honor you. So rather than just telling people what they should do, we can ask questions that cause them to evaluate what they are really after in life. A question can take someone to dig deeper in a way that a piece of information may not. So questions are an invitation. Number two. Jesus asks questions that change my life's direction forever. Yes. Jesus himself asked questions. There's an estimated 307 recorded questions in the Gospels. Early in the Gospels, we see Jesus starting his ministry and inviting people to follow him. And Jesus asked his, his disciples, what are you looking for? He's asking them, is your current way of living really giving you what you want? Oh, you've got another one here. Yes. Is your current way of living really giving you what you want? If not, follow me and I will give you what you are truly after. Jesus used continued to use this style of questioning throughout his ministry. Even this morning, he continues to ask questions to uncover our motives and invite us to follow him. Jesus directed questions to his followers to help them see who he is and the implication that holds for them, for us. We could take this to the streets. Who do you say Jesus is? Jesus asked, who do people say I am? Who do you say I am? It's not that Jesus was curious about what people thought about him. After all, he already knew their thoughts. <laughs> Jesus is after something else. Jesus is using these questions of identity to point his followers to where their identity is. Rather than just telling them who he was and what to believe, Jesus used a question to help them truly understand who he was. He says, who do people say I am? And the monks themselves, they said, some say John the baptizer, others say Elijah, and some say must be one of the prophets. Who do you say I am? Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Yeah. When we're told a fact, it's not really ours. Here we go. When we have to stop and process 
to arrive at a conclusion, it becomes part of who we are. Jesus is causing his followers to pause and contemplate who he really is. And consequently, what that means for them. He knows that our, the answers to our questions are not truly going to meet our needs or give us what we hope for. Instead, he asks questions that cause us to think, delve deep, and see what's ultimately important. His questions to us are designed to heal, lift up, refine, and prune. Yes. We'll come back a little later. Number three. Jesus asks questions of intent that confound my resistance and break down my walls. When Jesus had to deal with religious people, he asked questions to challenge their self-righteousness. Religious scholars tried to flex their own cleverness and righteousness at the expense of Jesus to entrap him with questions that would get him in trouble whichever way he answered. This way, wrong. This way, wrong. The woman caught in adultery. Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? If he said yes, he'd be a murderer. If he said no, he'd not be upholding the law. Is there no one to condemn you? He said to the woman after everyone had left. Neither do I condemn you. Oh, that was my prop for that. <laughs> I brought it in specially. Neither do I condemn you. Oh. All right. Who deserves this coin? Teacher, we know you're an honest man of integrity and you teach us the truth of God's ways, even though we're not listening. We can clearly see that you're, <laughs> that you're not one who speaks only to win people's favor because you speak the truth without regard to the consequences. So tell us, what do you think? Is it proper to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Either option for an answer would have landed Jesus in trouble from one point of view to another. But Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and unexpectedly returned a brand new question that challenged their motives and pious thoughts and answered the question at a completely other level. Whose face? Oh, hold on. Do you want a bigger coin or a smaller coin? Small one is actually worth more. That's why I asked that. <laughs> I'm learning the currency over here now. I'm not sure if you are setting out to trick Jesus, but it's good to know that a wise question can both deflect an impossible situation and potentially open up a more honest self-analysis. One more example. A good Samaritan is full of questions, that story. A religious scholar stood before Jesus in order to test his, his doctrines. Teacher, 
What requirement must I fulfill if I want to live forever in heaven? What do you read in the law? How do you understand it? Correct answer. Go and do it. But he continues to justify himself. What do you mean by my neighbor? Jesus tells a story that depicts three people's response to a man in great need, two of which had religious commitments and importance that caused them to ignore the suffering man. Which of the three proved to be the neighbor? The skeptic realized Jesus was calling out his bias towards religious activity that had blinded him to love. Jesus' questions are quite funny too. Do you see this woman? She's right at his feet. He wants us to see the hurting people around us and respond with love and compassion as he does. Number four. Jesus asks questions that open up areas of broken identity. Jesus asks questions that center on our need. He cares about the problems we are facing and he wants to bring healing. But he desires our permission and will not force anything on us. He extends an invitation to a better life. Jesus asked a paralyzed man, do you want to get well? He was challenging the man to fire his identity of sickness in order to receive a new identity. Jesus asks questions that move me from one way of thinking into a new one. Throughout his time on earth, Jesus healed countless people. What is interesting is Jesus would often ask the people if they wanted to be healed before performing a miracle. These questions would seem to have obvious answers, but Jesus used them to get at something deeper. He actually invites us to participate in leaving behind an old mindset, such as, I'm not good enough, nobody needs me, that say? And appeals to us to agree to the process of more healing and transformation. We need to acknowledge the old and be willing to step into the new. Jesus asked, do you see anything? He said to the blind man who was beginning to see dimly, after Jesus had put saliva in his hands over his eyes, there's more, and be willing to step into the new. He was blind. He began to see people as trees. Do you want to see? Do you see anything? His question caused the man to say, yes, I want to see more. So a little bit of a Jane story. As I was preparing to start a discipleship training school, DTS, with Youth with a Mission, YWAM, I was reading about the man who was 
desperate for his sight to be restored, and I was reading about the man who was paralyzed, I suddenly realized that Jesus was asking me the same life-changing question. He asked the man who was who wanted his sight to be restored, what do you want me to do for you? I was just about to go to a school. And as I told you earlier, I was raised to do exactly as I was told and what I was asked to do. As I was about to begin the school, I assumed the leaders would have everything ready for me to learn and I was going to learn all the things they were going to tell me. Jesus asked me, what do you want me to do for you? At first I was afraid I was going to miss everything because I didn't know I was meant to ask that and I hadn't. But as quick as that, I knew that I wanted to know him more. I want to know you more. What that perfectly poised and timed question did for me was this. It broke me out of the posture of relying on others for what I needed to learn. I had to make that heart leap and trust Jesus to teach me what I needed to hear, see, and understand. You'll be glad to know that on my DTS, I grew in love with Jesus. Number five, we ask questions of God and each other. We often have questions of God, questions like, where are you? Why did you allow this? What good can come out of this? David asked those sort of questions in the Psalms, right? When Marguerite was here, Marguerite Evans, when she was teaching us about trauma ministry, she had us write our own lament. I'm so sad, Lord. You know, we start, we don't usually start our worship services like that. No. Meetings. I do have a funny story. Don't assume you know the answer. How are you? They asked me as I went into the ladies' room or back out. I actually wasn't feeling that well that day, and I tossed and turned in that brief moment. Should I say, fine, or should I say, actually not that good? They were expecting me to say, fine. And they left the room saying, good. And I had said, not that good, actually. And I was left standing there thinking, that wasn't very nice. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an important lesson about how we interact with those around us. Are we asking the right questions? Are we asking the, in the way that is life-giving? And are we really listening to the answers? Sometimes we're listening to what we think they're going to say. We should be quick to ask questions and slower to give answers. The biggest life change happens when we give people space to reflect on a question rather than giving them the answer, which is the honor of listening.
Number six, how are you doing? Do you need to stand up? Jesus asked <laughs> Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter had denied Jesus three times, which was eating him up. Jesus met each regret with healing closure and validating love. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. He completely restored Peter so he could leave behind his past and move into the new. He completely restored Peter so he could leave his past behind and move into the new. Sometimes dragging the weight of regret is very cumbersome. Ask me how I know. Jesus desires relationship and intimacy. He asks some incredibly tender questions. He lays his heart open in vulnerability and humility by asking his disciples if they truly love him, if they actually want to be with him. In John 6, he'd been giving a very hard teaching and lots of people, after listening, decided it was too difficult to follow Jesus. And they got offended, they got up, and they left. Now it's just Jesus and the 12 disciples. And he turns and asks, you do not want to leave too, do you? Peter spoke up, but Lord, where would we go? No one but you gives us the revelation of eternal life. We're fully convinced that you are the anointed one, the son of the living God, and we believe in you. This vulnerable question reveals that Jesus is after relationship with his people, not subservience. He will not force anyone to follow him and rather chose to pose this question in hopes they would choose a relationship with him. Number seven. Questions of life and faith. What's really important? Many of the questions Jesus asked centered around life and faith. These questions were aimed at causing a person to pause and reflect on what's really important to take a step back and to see the bigger picture. Such as, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? If, if then you're not able to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Are you not more valuable than the birds of the air? If God clothes the, clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? These questions reveal 
that we're often focused on the wrong thing. Doesn't matter, doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing, just less important, which makes it the wrong thing. How many of us get so easily distracted by something less important? Jesus doesn't want us to lose sight of what's important. Questions Jesus asked help us to see what we have made the most important and correct the priorities in our life. Jesus preferred asking questions rather than giving answers. And these questions continue to teach us incredible lessons today, can help us grow our faith. So, on the other side of your paper, is not for now really, but if you want to just glance down, these are some questions that Jesus has asked. Who do you say I am? Do you believe? Do you want to get well? Why are you so afraid? Why are you doubting? Do you still not see or understand? Are you also going to leave? What does scripture say? Who touched me? Do you love me? I felt those would be something that you could take home this week and and just maybe there's one that jumps out and then you could just dwell on that and unpack it, find out where that was in the Gospels that Jesus spoke it. And maybe if you are already meeting in a fuel group, you could bring some of your answers back. If you're not in a fuel group, find a friend and connect with them that way. But I feel like sometimes to unpack something and then take it further, because it's all very well getting this far, but I feel like he wants to take it further beyond a talk to what does what does this going to how is this going to impact you for good? So that is my gift to you. Some of those questions. You're welcome to add your own, not from Jesus if you know any more. very very end I want us to invite I want to invite anyone who would like to be prayed over and I'm going to ask our lead leaders to come and pray over you and if you're one on the chair that's fine so I'm just going to at the end I'm going to put some chairs up but the idea is that we're not going to speak we're going to just pray and we're going to have the worship team at the end they're going to come and, and just sing a, a gentle song. But I feel like sometimes just to sit and have others just be believing for you, encouraging you, it's not that they're going to release words or I'm actually, even if you get like a picture or something, I'm just saying hold that but pray it so that the person can just rest in it. But how about we just spend three minutes, just find someone else and pick out the one question that stands out to you and just unpack it for a moment and then we'll 
go ahead and put the chairs out and invite anyone who would like any sort of healing, any sort of encouragement, just to come and sit. And we're just going to posture ourselves to be in his presence. Continue that. All right. So just gather in twos and threes and just choose one of those minister to one another as the Lord ministers to you. I simply want to speak a blessing over each of us as we come to the end of our gathering and go out to shine light wherever we go. So Father, let your blessing rest upon all your children in this room and all that we represent, those who couldn't be present in the room today, who may be watching later or listening later, let your blessing rest on every one of us, that we would literally be carriers of the kingdom everywhere we go. Would you give us open ears to hear your questions of us, that we would grow in you, and open hearts to ask questions of others, to draw them in to this level of knowing we belong, of knowing that we matter, of knowing that we can be connected, healthy and fruitful. So send us out in power, the power of you living in me, to make a difference everywhere we go. In Jesus' name.